My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give the visitor the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. God hears us, he wants to hear from us, and he listens and answers every one of our prayers. Just let that sink in for a minute, to truly sink in. Because I think for a lot of people, maybe even a majority of people, including those of us who do call ourselves believers, who call ourselves Christians, We struggle to believe those truths. The difference between those who do come to Mass and those who never darken the doors of a church is that those here want that to be true and hope for that on some level that it is. But even for those of us who do find ourselves here, it can almost be unfathomable to believe that, that God hears us, that he wants to hear from us and that he listens and answers every one of our prayers. Because that's a pretty stunning claim. It's what differentiates us from every other world religion. Only those of the Judeo-Christian tradition believe that the eternal, all-powerful Father, who created all that is, including me and you, 
created us in his own image, in his likeness, in his dignity. And one of the ways that he, he proves that is by impressing upon us these simple but unfathomable truths, that he hears us, that he wants to hear from us, and that he listens and answers every one of our prayers. Other religious traditions will believe that they have to pray to appease whatever it is they conceive as the divine being. And for some, their prayers could almost be characterized as a, a manipulation, trying to get something from their supernatural overlord or to simply satisfy some obligation. And I think, sadly, some of those attitudes and behaviors have crept in and distorted and undermined our faith and belief in the beauty and the power and the importance of prayer, that God hears us, that he wants to hear from us, and that he listens and answers every one of our prayers. That's the recurring thought as I'm reflecting on these scriptures for today. Look at Genesis, that, that first reading. It's only 18 chapters into the first book of the Old Testament. We have this back and forth between Abraham praying to God and God speaking with him. Now, just hearing what Abraham was praying about can distract people. It's these ancient cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And most people just hearing the names of those cities can go off in a lot of different directions, hearing that the sins were so great, the sins were so great that God's about to destroy these cities. And we focus immediately shifting to what exactly were they doing? Well, let's just put a pin in that because that's never a healthy thing to do, to be curious about evil, to be curious about sin. It either opens us up to being self-righteous about ourselves, saying, I'm not as bad as that, or to other temptations. The most important thing to remember whenever it comes to sin is remembering what I call the dog poop principle. How much dog poop do you want in your home, a little or a lot? I'm always amused when I ask that of my college students and they stop and they actually think about it. I'm like, the answer is none. You don't want any. The point is because it's always going to smell bad, it's never going to get better, and it's always going to make a mess. And that's the point is that all sin is bad. We should want all sin out of our lives. For the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, the people had turned away from God. They had stopped listening to him. They weren't struggling with resisting temptation. They weren't weighed down with shame. They had definitively chosen not to follow his commands, and they had gotten very comfortable with that existence. And that's what made the sin so great and grave. They hadn't even considered themselves sinners. And once that happens, people can easily start to delude themselves, thinking they don't need God. Or even worse, they believe the devil's greatest lie and temptation, telling them they're gods themselves. As atrocious as that is, and hopefully enough of which causes us just to want to do an examination of our own consciences and get to confession regularly. Before we do that, look at the deeper revelation here of Abraham talking with God, praying with him. And it's kind of amazing listening to how Abraham gets into this somewhat comical bargaining session with God. 
Lord, what if there are 50 innocent people? You wouldn't wipe out an entire city for 50 innocent people, would you? And he continues with this almost bizarre auction-like approach. How about 40? Can you save Sodom and Gomorrah 30, 20? Do I hear 10? And each time God responds, he would not destroy those cities for the even dwindling number of innocent people. And despite the eventuality that Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed, which tells you how bad things were, that not even 10 innocent people could be found, and probably far less than that. That Abraham engages in this dialogue with God, and that God responds back, tells us that God hears us, that he wants to hear from us, and that he listens and answers every one of our prayers. God is not disinterested and hidden and removed from his creation. He's not unmoved by the hopes and the fears of us as creatures or what is happening in his creation. Nor is he unaffected by our disobedience and rejection. This dialogue shows that right from the beginning, God desires this life-giving dialogue where his creatures could give voice to their doubts and their fears and their joys and their hopes with him. But even more, we see how prayer changes us. Abraham, in this passage, is interceding for people. He's appealing to the love and the mercy of the God that he's only just coming to know. But if you read his entire story uninterrupted, which goes from Genesis 12 to 26, which they're only Bible chapters, so they're not that long. It's only about 20 pages. You read how the entire trajectory of Abraham's life changes upon meeting God and being in relationship with him. And as notable and important as Abraham is, spoiler alert, he's not perfect either. He makes mistakes. He doesn't always listen. But the central point that comes from today's reading is that Abraham, who is our father in faith, is showing us that God does hear us and he does want to hear from us. And he listens and answers every one of our prayers. And that when Abraham does mess up, and when he does need God, in just the same way that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, who he's interceding for today, Abraham's prayer has changed him. Because then he will remember the love and the mercy of God. How God desired for his people to trust him. To have that conversion of heart to return to him. And Abraham will. More fully and beautifully in the gospel, Jesus fleshes this out literally and figuratively. In him, God becomes man and lives among us. And Jesus reveals God's name and identity in an even more loving, intimate manner. The disciples have witnessed Jesus not only perform some miraculous and mighty deeds, they've also witnessed him day to day. They've seen him go off in prayer by himself. And as they've been close to Jesus, they want to be more like him. And that's what they're expressing when they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And as he does, Jesus reveals God not merely as a creator or some distant mighty master, he reveals him as Father. And he continues on by telling us to never stop pleading, to never stop reaching out to him. 
to have that ongoing daily dialogue with him. Not just spouting off the things that we want or need, as good as that might be, but acknowledging our primary need for him and the deepest one of our hearts to be in relationship with him. Because once that identity is clear, where we see him and relate to him as our loving father, and we recognize that in Jesus, we ourselves are beloved sons and daughters, that hopefully reshapes our priorities and all of our lists of intentions. Because, yeah, it's fine to pray that you find those lost keys, but hopefully our vision expands to say, I really want to pray for those family and friends who are lost. And I want you, Father, to help use me to reach them. Yeah, it's great for us to share our hopes and our dreams and to lay them out in our prayers. But hopefully we also stand in awe and say, wow, if the same Father who created all that is could care enough to want to hear from me, maybe, just maybe, he has something to say to me and has a hope and a dream for me that I want to hear about. I came upon this quote by the great Catholic theologian named Peter Kreeft just a couple of weeks ago, and it's just been coming to mind a lot ever since. He said, I strongly suspect that if we saw all the difference, even the tiniest of our prayers to God make, and all the people those little prayers were destined to affect, and all the consequences of those effects down to the centuries, we would be so paralyzed with awe at the power of prayer that we would be unable to get up off our knees for the rest of our lives. May the examples of Abraham and Jesus help us to recognize that deep reality that God does hear us and he wants to hear from us and he listens and answers every one of our prayers. And may that move us from all those distortions that can enter in making us see prayer as trying to manipulate him just to get our way or to just inoculate us from trials and struggles. But rather it connects us to the one who knows us better than we know ourselves, who loves us more than we could ever love ourselves. And then come to experience that the more we engage in that truth, the beautiful realization of how much prayer can change us.